And for the final time, welcome back to Hitchcock Chronologically. My name is Jeff, and I have watched every single Alfred Hitchcock movie. But I've only reviewed 51 of them. It's time to review number 52, The Family Plot. I keep saying The Family Plot, but it's really just Family Plot. And I have to invite in the only man or woman brave enough to watch a silent Hitchcock film with me. It's Mark, my partner in potting from Budget Arcade and the movie Draft House. Don't assume I gendered, Jeff. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- you know, this is awesome. Thanks for thanks for having me on for this final episode in this uh, lesson of futility. And what uh, are you calling what I've done futile? <laughs> I'm saying that you're a better man than me uh, because no I argument. could. Uh, right. <laughs> I could not have sat here. Week after week for 52 weeks, a whole calendar year, a whole year out of your life where we don't get that many of them. <laughs> Yo, stop. You're making me sad. <laughs> and watch all of Alfred Hitchcock's movies. So thank you, sir. I appreciate uh, being here. I appreciate what you have done and the consistency which you have held yourself professionally through this entire thing. Oh, well, thank you so much. I, um... And you're talking about me, you not being able to sit through Hitchcock films and you wouldn't have been able to do it. And this week we watched Family Plot and I, we already know how each other feels about it. We've had a couple conversations and I know you don't like this movie. God, no, I don't. And I am going to be gushing on it for the next however long. I don't understand. that you I don't, don't like this movie tells me it's absolutely true. There's no way you could have done this. Because this movie is a gym, and he, I, Topaz, try to watch Topaz. I dare you. And and that's where I think your 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 eyesight's a little veiled, sir. Is that you've you've sat through the like the the lows of the lows for Alfred Hitchcock? Um, I have not. I've seen a handful of Hitchcock films, and the ones I've seen have been pretty good. And so when I watched this movie, oh boy, didn't feel the same way. Oh boy, and, and so it's easy for you to compare it to his like crazy crap. Um, but to me, this movie was crap. Okay, so I'm going to back this up with facts, though, and 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 give you some examples of what makes the uh, family plot such a good movie. I I'm going to start at the end, where the very last thing you see is. Our protagonist, Madame Blanche, winks at the camera, and then the credits roll. And yes, I've watched every Hitchcock film. And yes, this moment actually kind of choked me a little bit because I was like, holy shit, I did it. And her winking at the camera almost felt to me like Hitch winking at me. Like, well done, sir. You did it, you son of a bitch, you did it. I, And this movie, for me, feels like Hitchcock having fun and just putting out, like, this month's been kind of wacky and weird. I mean, Frenzy last week, pretty good movie. 
And, but oh, Topaz was awful, and Torn Curtain was mediocre. And I just was like, I was convinced that Family Plot was just going to be a poop fest because at this point in Hitch's career, he's got no one telling him no, and there's no reason that right. so he been he bad. went off he went off the deep end and no, made he it just made this off the wall film. Oh, it's good. So this movie was actually the screenplay was written by the same guy who did North by Northwest, which is arguably the best Hitchcock movie. Depending on who you ask. And I think that it's great. We're going to be so polar opposites on this one. I un, what unironically loved this movie. And there are some parts that take a little bit of time. Uh, our main character is Madame Blanche, who is a psychic. Uh, she's not actually a psychic. She's scamming and she has techniques and all this stuff. And she is doing a reading for an older woman by the name of Julia Rainbird. And during this reading, you find out that she has uh, a nephew that they kicked out of the family because uh, he was uh, born out of wedlock. And uh, he she he would be the only heir to her fortune and sort of to make amends with the, you know, before she dies. She wants to get this guy his inheritance, right? And she's willing to pay Madame Blanche $10,000 to do it. Now, this is $10,1972. It's a pretty good amount of money. You're silent, Mark. No, it's... I'm a solo pot again. No, this... Now, all right, I will give you. I will give you this. I'm going to Barbara turn Harrison, you around before the no, end of this episode. No, no you're not. I, uh, you Bar- got to, man. Barbara Harris and Bruce Stern are very good. Bruce uh, Stern ve- is so good. They're ve- they're they're good together, but Barbara Harris is the standout in this entire oh, film. No, no. Oh God, no! Don't tell me anybody else is oh, the standout boy, in this film because nobody yet. else is. First off, no. Bruce Stern is amazing. He is he's so fine. He's, fun to he's watch. Fine. And so is she. You're right. They're, they're polar opposites. They're polar opposites. That's what makes it and, work. Right. And I, I agree. If the and entire it's like movie this had... it's swap, too, because she's the horn dog. She's always trying she, to get him into bed. And he's like, listen, right. is that all you think about is sex? I'm going home to my own bed to sleep. I loved it. I loved their relationship at was so fun to watch she's over the top she and like her her psychic readings where you know we're meant to believe that she's a you know she's a scam artist and, and she's talking to some guy named kevin i can't remember his name henry henry yeah and, henry. and she'll do this voice yeah. she'll be like oh henry tell me what's going on <laughs> you gotta take a dump and then like she does her voice and uh like, and there's one there's one scene where uh, Bruce Stern's character George Lumley comes in and and she's in the middle of a reading with this old lady and he like gets her attention and tells her to come to the kitchen and she's like makes up the story oh I think I have to go in the kitchen and find him and and like they're having a conversation but every like fifth word she like hollers out Ooh! Yes. <laughs> and and it's I mean it's it is it's funny um but I think it's more to do yeah. with with Barbara Harris, the actor, oh, and Bruce yeah. Stern, the actor, 
um, and, and less to do with this screenplay or this oh, movie. Come on, man. Uh, the screenplay is, because, is great. No, this, this this whole movie's garbage. No, and it, it had, is... If it hadn't been for Blanche and You're George, this movie would be absolutely You're bargain bin, dollar, dollar store Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, my god. Which it is. No, it's not. So, all right. Now you're pissing me off. Okay. Now, we got to talk about... That's why you brought me here. This is why I'm here. This is not why you're here. You're not going to ruin this for me. So, as they're (laughs) leaving this lady's house, they almost run over this blonde lady who is doing a hostage... Not exchange, but basically, she has kidnapped some guy who's like a senator or whatever... And she gets paid in diamonds and she leads this guy in a helicopter to go pick up the body. And it's the whole exchange. Anyway, then she meets up with uh, the mastermind who's played by William Devane. His name's Arthur Adamson. And Arthur Adamson, William Devine is so good in this movie. I cannot. I watched it twice just to see his performance because everything he does is measured and even and he speaks very softly. And I love it. I love him. He's a great villain. Okay. Go ahead. Disagree. No, I am. I do disagree. Him and him and uh, what's her face? She's not great. She's not great. Uh, Karen, Karen Black. Yeah, she's doesn't. They they don't do anything. Oh, they, dude! They don't do anything, and you know one of the okay. things. One thing I, I, I absolutely people. just. How you can't? I don't understand how you can say that, Mike. One of one of the most ridiculous scenes of this entire movie was in the church where they kidnapped the priest. It's a great scene. <laughs> it's a great scene, man. <laughs> anyway, so. One thing I, I absolutely hated about this movie, and I, I don't know if it was an era, you know, uh, like it just fit the era that this movie was set in, you know, early 70s. But there are like 10 to 15 scenes in this movie where there is no sound, there's no music, there's no dialogue, and just people walking around. Like what? Give me a scene. Like I can't think of one. Uh, there. Um, where, uh, Karen Black's character gets off of the helicopter, and she's going up to the, the house, or maybe it was before she was going up to the house. I don't know. Uh, it was when she was either before, or after she got on the helicopter. But it's either right before or right after, and, um, she's like walking through the grass and like walking in this lawn. And there's no music, and there's no dialogue, and there's no sound. And you're just watching, and the scene goes on for a good minute. I don't remember that. And and Bruce Stern has another scene where he's, um, it's toward the end of the movie, where he's, like, sneaking up into, uh, in their house, and there's no sound at all. Oh, like, that that's doesn't a, bother that, me. That, the whole point no, of that is for tension, right? You right, want to hear the, what the he's hearing. Would, but the tension would have been better for if if there had been some nah. like tension music. Nah, you don't need uh, that. He's you know, a score. he's broken into a house where these kidnappers have just, as far as he knows, injured his his girlfriend. And uh, anyway, we're jumping ahead. Oh Lord, you're hurt, you're hurting my feelings. Okay, so 
Now, we do get a scene that I will admit does not need to be here. And it's a scene where the guy who was kidnapped and now set free explains to the police what happened. We don't really need that. All right. We know what happened. Well, I mean, the police let this this lady commandeer a helicopter. I mean, it's just it's the police scene <laughs> in this is ridiculous. But uh, <laughs> it's just, it doesn't well, make any sense at all. Something. And this is this is heli- this is like helicopter one hundred and one. If you control the helicopter, you control the action. So. <laughs> well, he's told specifically not to be a hero. <laughs> and but the, the entire scene. And so uh, I I apologize, Jeff, but. Uh, the scene is that Karen Black's character, she's wearing a blonde wig. She's a black-haired female, but she's wearing a, a blonde wig with a hat, sunglasses, like a trench coat. If you look at heels. the poster, you can see it. Yeah, and she goes to the police station, and she's holding the gun, and there's like three or four police officers there. And she walks in holding this gun, and she doesn't say a word, and they're like, oh, I knew you were coming. And they all lay down their firearms. And then she, like, motions to the helicopter. She doesn't say a word, but she motions to the helicopter. And uh, they they tell her, okay, yeah, he's waiting for you, the pilot. And she gets in the helicopter, and she just taps the l- little compass. And she's, like, telling him where to go oh, via, yeah. hey, go east. Totally go would work. And and the guy, he's like, he's like hey, you really going to shoot me? Um, and then, like, she fires around out of out of the window which i think would probably be hazardous to both of their health yeah but Um, they're not high enough up where it's going to depressurize the cabin and all that stuff (laughs) it's just and then she gets off of the helicopter the helicopter lands and she gets off and she and then there's no music there's music all like the score is playing while they're flying and then there's no score and i'm like why Anyway, that's 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 a gripe of mine. All right. Well, after this, they get home the the, the villains, uh, and uh, they hide the gem that they've received up in a chandelier. Uh, you're not going to do it. You're not going to kill my enthusiasm for this fantastic film. So, what they're going to do now is they need. So Bruce Dern essentially is going to be the detective that starts looking for this missing kid, and he goes to a jeweler and he asks them about some things, and she points him to uh, the 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 titular item, uh, a family plot where the headstone of the person they're looking for, um, Edward Shoebridge, is there. And that headstone is looks brand new, and the other headstone is kind of ugly. And Bruce Stern has a pipe that he's always, I don't want to say smoking, because I never see smoke, but he always taps it out and fills it back up and puts it in his mouth. Uh, and the one time he was about, so the one time he was about to light it, he's lighting it at a gas station while his car is being filled with gas. What a genius. You're silent again, Mark. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a fine scene, and he uh, he probably should have lit the gas station on fire and got out of there, but he he didn't. He continued his quest to find information. But he um, goes on, and he 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 finds out who booked this plot, and so he it's by a guy by the name of Maloney. So he goes to meet Maloney, and he's like, "Hey, I found out that you booked this plot. And you spent this. Money. He's done his research, but 
this knucklehead, who is not a professional, like, private eye or anything, has drives off and Maloney takes note of his license plate and finds out that the car belongs to Blanche, where, anyway, the murderer, the main bad guy, the guy who orchestrates these kidnappings, Adam Adamson, is, um, excuse me, Arthur Adamson, is, turns out to be this missing heir to the Rainbird fortune. And so when you find this out, uh, they go to actually meet this priest that knows something about Mr. Uh, the, the guy they're looking for. And that's when, like you said, the villains kidnap him and he's the next one on the list to be held ransom. But then they accidentally kill him and they didn't kill him. Did you watch the film? You said you yes, watched I, it I, twice. I watched it twice. He's not dead. So what they do is they have like a, some sort of sedative that they jab into the, the victims that puts them out. And then they have this really cool, like, secret closet in their house that's, like, behind a brick wall. And it opens up, and they put the person in there, and they communicate with them, and they keep them in the dark. But they, they serve them really good food and wine. Like, if you're going to be kidnapped, these are the people you want to be kidnapped by. Would you agree I, with that? I, sure. Yeah, the room's fine. Um, and I would like to be. I would, room. Yeah, no, I would a like bed, to bed, have... me, full meal. Like they go in there after yeah. they release the guy, and he didn't finish his steak, his steak, right. and his big bottle of wine. Yeah, he, you know, he left he left a little bit on the bone. But the uh, Hitchcock spent a lot of time showing us how to get in and out of this room, and for what reason, I don't know. Um, it's just, there's little choices like that from this director that makes me like, just question why this movie exists. Oh God. Uh, no, it does. Like you think about, you think about Hitchcock's filmography oh. and uh, you don't have to think about it. You lived I've it. I've watched it. Um, right. But you, you look at it and you're going, Hmm, you know, this era of Hitchcock, the, the sixties and the seventies. He's got more hits than misses. Yes, um, and so for for hit for this, but to it's be close to fifty percent. For him, for this to be his last film, there's just odd Dude. filmmaking decisions in this movie that I'm like, where is where is Hitchcock's okay. so um, famed cinematography? All right, where we're at the end. I'm at the end of this journey. And I can definitively say that Hitchcock is not a genius. Okay. People say he is, but he's not. A lot of the stuff he gets credit for is actually ideas from other people that he works with, which is a good director. I mean, if someone has a better idea than you, you use it. But apparently, and I was uh, listening to the audio book about the making of Psycho and uh, George uh, Stefano says, hey, the guy who wrote the screenplay play for that movie is like, Hitch doesn't like to give credit to anyone else. And so I think that after watching these films, there's more misses than hits. And I don't necessarily think the guy is a genius. I think he's competent, but no, but there's this there's movie so many... is nowhere close to being bad for one two, of being one of his bad movies. Oh boy. <laughs> no, but like, you know, I've been on a handful of, of episodes here, 
and in the two previous films that I've watched, he's he's made and these are these are uh, one is a silent film and the other is a black and white film. Yeah, so you watched uh, 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 Easy Virtue, which is hot garbage. Yeah. The Lady Vanishes, which I really like, and you were kind of. You didn't like it, but you admitted there were some things that you enjoyed. Right? No, it was okay. And then there's Dial M, which you loved, and I loved. Yeah, as no, well. Dial M. I think Dial M is probably his. Uh, now, there's a lot of films I haven't seen by right. Hitchcock, but Dial, Dial M might be his, his my favorite of his. Right. Um, but the, like through those films that I've watched from Hitchcock for this podcast, I have seen him progressively get better with either his directing mm-hmm. or his storytelling. And I, I felt like all of that just went to garbage with this movie. Is because you don't get any of you it. You have no idea, friend. You don't. You have <laughs> you're no right, idea. I don't. And I'm I'm speaking in a vacuum here. Topaz. Like, like you, you have really the front row know, seat of everything. If you really want to know how bad it can get, Topaz is only two movies ago, and it's truly. I don't want to say literally because you can still watch it. It's nearly unwatchable. It's <laughs> one of the worst films I've ever seen. So the uh, the film before this one, what was Frenzy? It? Great movie. Frenzy. Okay, really good. So what what set? All right. So what set Topaz and Frenzy apart? Like Topaz how far was apart were they? Dry as dirt. Um, about three to four years, I think. Well, a typical, you know, span not for him. Of- well, no, but his earlier films, he was chugging, I mean, just Yeah, he did two out. to three a year. So, and again, so the, the, I think, so Topaz, I think, was he was trying to make an authentic thing filmed with actors from other countries, uh, and it just was dry, like nobody knew how to act. And then Frenzy is lots of stuff happening, really charismatic performances. That's what separates it. And this... I know that we can point at the the um, what was the actress's name? Karen Black. Not great, but you yourself say Barbara Harris is the standout. Bruce Dern's awesome. I personally like William Devane's performance a lot. Um, there's that's kind of the thing is that there's this charisma behind it, and that's what kind of sets it apart for me. It makes it fun. I think this movie is is closer to a comedy than it is a thriller. Uh, yes. And that, so that's another another thing I, I did not enjoy about this movie is that for a good chunk of it, it's taking itself very seriously. And then there's the scenes that are just off the wall comedic. Like the, the scene where uh, Bruce Stern and Barbara Harris are in the car. They're getting... Uh, um, they're going away from oh the restaurant they were in, and the guy had cut the, uh, yes. the brake line. We had to get and, into this, and it, 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 I mean the the scene is the scene is great, is because Barbara Harris is it's out of control. It's right. And Bruce Stern's great too. It, it, but but it's 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 out of place for the movie. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man, because the, it just and there's and there's a, there's a couple of these scenes where they're just out of place they're they are consistent with the characters but for the pacing and the the style of the movie i just feel it's out of place and it, we 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 encountered that with what what was the other movie um the on the train one oh that was lady vanishes 
But he made it so. I mean, he had he like kind of dabbled in a in a multitude a of genres movie. in that film. That's great, and, and he does that here, but it's just it's just out of place. It presents itself as out of place. Now the scene and the scene by itself is 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 pretty good. Um, it's just when it, it's you put it fun. in the movie, yeah, it, it is it's just out of and that's I I didn't enjoy that aspect because while that is a Alfred Hitchcock thing to do. To kind of try to blend genres, um, I, I just don't think it worked here. Okay, but the scene is re- the scene is really it's good. really fun. Uh, you know, they they have this big car accident, and they try to get uh, oh, just so Mister Maloney is basically the 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 stooge for all right. What we find out is that Arthur Adamson is indeed the Rainbird heir, and. He has actually paid Maloney to perform arson on his adopted parents' home. And it killed his parents, and he describes it as the greatest day of his life, uh, Arthur Adamson. But now Maloney has this dirt on Arthur Adamson, knows who he really is, and so they have this tenuous friendship. Well, anyway, uh, but also Maloney is pretty bloodthirsty, and he wants to kill uh, Bruce Dern's character as well as Blanche. And, and after he sabotages their car, we have this scene where they drive off the road. Uh, Maloney shows back up and tries to run them off the road. And there's an oncoming car. And to avoid the oncoming car, he just makes a hard left into a ravine. It's hilarious. <laughs> I yeah, laughed it- out loud when it happened. It, it's it, it's it, it fits the scene because the scene is comedic, but it's like why did he just do that? It is ridiculous, but in the best kind of way. Uh, I loved it. Um, and, and this is kind of uh, you know they they uh, go back and they're still kind of looking for this person, and they they tend to find out that um, they find out his name is Eddie Shoebridge. Uh, and there's a scene where they cut back to the house and so Bruce Stern's been skipping out on his job. He's a taxi driver, right? But he's been skipping out on his job to do this investigating and they cut back to him and he's on the phone with his shirt off. And I don't know, just the, the hard cut of him to him with his shirt off was hilarious to me. And, uh, he's getting dressed for work and he's trying to get time off. And Blanche isn't having any of it. She's bossing him around. But anyway, he has to go back to work. But they now know that this Eddie Shoebridge guy is uh, Arthur Adamson. Now, they don't know that this is also the guy that hired Maloney. But they uh, Bruce Dern is like, once I get off work, we'll take care of this tomorrow. But Blanche is like, no, I'm going to do it now. Even though he warns her not to because there's been attempts on their life now. And this is where we get to the finale of the film. And she gets, uh, they they meet up and she tells him, no, you're the heir to the Rainbird fortune. You're going to be a millionaire. He's like, is this the only reason you and Bruce Stern have been tracking me? Because he thinks that they've been tracking him because of their illegal kidnappings. And she's like, yeah, this is it. But then the dumbest dumb person in this film uh Karen Black's character, Fran, sees that the th- this 
priest or cardinal has his red robe is hanging out of the side of the car. And Blanche never notices it, but she feels like she has to hide it. Karen does. And when she opens the door, the priest tumbles out. And then that's when they have to subdue Blanche. But Blanche is pretty smart. She actually pretends to be knocked out when he misses with the uh, anesthesia or whatever it is. And so she's never actually knocked out. And she's carried away into the secret room where she's kept. And they go off to retrieve this ransom again, this jewel. And Bruce Dern comes and is able to save her. And at the same time, trap the bad guys in the cell room area. And uh, anyway, you find out that she knows where these diamonds are. They get the reward. And she winks at the camera, as I mentioned before, and we roll credits on the last ever Alfred Hitchcock film. So, uh, so Jeff. Yes. Do you feel relieved? Are you sad? Strangely, Are you a bit excited? Um, I'm all of them. Strangely enough, uh, I actually had a dream about Alfred Hitchcock last night. That's bad. You don't you shouldn't do it. Um, you got you got to see. I, seek he was in now. the bed with me. No. Um, no. <laughs> no. It was weird. Alfred Hitchcock after dark. We were. Uh, it was he was throwing a party, and I had some friends from church there, but he was throwing a party to debut his new movie, Family Plot, and nobody showed up but me, and so I'm here in this dream consoling Alfred. No, man, it's okay, dude. I want to watch your movie. I'm even doing a podcast about you. You're going to be, you're the, you're Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> but anyway, it was weird. So there's nobody in the family plot. Yes, that's, that's correct. A tag, that's a tagline. Of- there is no one in the family plot. Um, so I, I'm actually kind of sad in a way because, uh, I think I'm proud of myself. I'm sad. I didn't think that's one of the reasons I rewatched this movie was that this was the last one. And I was like, I'm going to do it again. And that because there was a distance between when we could record and when I watched it the first time. And I also really liked the movie. Um, but I'm also relieved not to have a, uh, it's going to be strange only having to record two podcasts and only having to edit every other week which will still which will be nice. But it won't be long before I come up with something else to do, I know it. But I am a little sad that it's over, but I'm also glad that it's over. And I think there's a lot of in this year I uh have lost two brothers. I uh had my friend lose two loved ones as well. And you can correlate those events with the short episodes of Hitchcock chronologically where I just don't have the uh, gumption to keep going, but I just was like, I gotta keep doing this podcast. And now the the um, the Juno and the Paycock episode. Uh, my older brother was in the hospital with COVID, and I just was like, I had to do something. And then uh, with trouble with Harry, a friend of mine has lost several loved ones to COVID and 
I don't it like the, it's this map of my year of 2021 where I can look back and point at things that happened in those times. So uh, I don't know. It's been a hell of a year. But well, that's when the credits rolled. I was a little bit sad because I was watching them roll and I'm like, I don't have a movie after this. And for the last year, when I finish a Hitchcock movie, I'm immediately thinking about the next one. And I didn't have one to think about. So that was strange. Yeah, it's uh it's it's weird how things become sentimental uh for for whatever reason. And then like you can go back and listen to whatever episode and go, "Hmm, wonder if something was Wonder what ha- what wonder what changed? Yeah, in in that person that person's life. And I, no, I this this this. Like I've I've said it on episodes before, and I'll say it again. Um, you you have carved out uh, something pretty pretty phenomenal here with with these fifty two episodes, and um, it's the the sheer consistency with which you did it, uh, where it could have been very easy to take a week off there or... were moments yeah there were moments but the thing but is did i well i did <laughs> but i had booked no, you, up you, well, you banked you banked I a lot banked them. Them. So... and i boy if you're gonna do a project like this bank them because after juno and the paycock i needed a week off like legitimately i did not want to do the podcast anymore <laughs> But then I got kind of nostalgic for it because I had that week off or whatever. And I started making episodes again. And I'm glad I did. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, and I've seen more silent movies now. I went from zero to eight. Not bad. Um, You're more cultured now. Oh, thank you. And I've seen all of his movies. Like, I feel not like an expert. I don't know everything. But. I feel like I could have a conversation with someone and, you know, I don't know. It's it's meaningless, trivial knowledge, but I've done it. And I, I've always kind of wanted to watch all of his films, and I've done it now. So, um, well, Mark, uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you? Yeah, for sure. If, you wanna, if you're interested in more movie thoughts by Mark... Uh, you can find me on Twitter at I Heard You Liked. Now, you have an I... interesting movie podcast I've heard. Uh, it's quite good. Oh, I good. do. Yeah, it's with this, it's with this fella um, where we talk, uh, we, we rate and review um, movies that fit a monthly theme, mm. like Space or um, martial uh, arts? Serial Killers. Ah, yeah, serial Martial killers. Arts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's called The Movie Draft House, Ooh. where you can find me and yourself, Jeff. Oh. Yeah. Uh, uh, there every uh, every Thursday, and um, yeah, we uh, we have a lot of fun, and uh, it's it's a bit different than your just your regular movie review podcast, um, and so that's where you can find me. You can also find uh, find me on Budget Arcade, our other other podcast, right? and uh, I mean just start making a list at this point, <sighs> just run them down. But uh, but no, I I appreciate. You having me on for the episodes that you did, I I'm proud to say that I was part of of this project. And you watched um, a silent film. Never let anyone take away from you how difficult that is. It is. It's, it is uh, not 
easy to watch silent films. No, but with without without this particular podcast, I would not, would never have watched Dial In for Murder, and I Oof. still think that movie is legitimately great. And uh, so I I do appreciate the culture that I received uh, as part of this project. And so uh, thank you, sir. You're welcome. Now, just how great is Dial In for Murder? Well, Mark's going to leave now, and I'm going to take you through everyone who's staying. The top 52 Alfred Hitchcock films. Where's Dial M going to land? I don't know. Sounds like, Mark, you'd put it where? Just Probably number it, one. Say yeah, number one. Number one. Is it going to be number yeah. one? That's a tall order. But uh, it's, be- it's better than Family Plot, that's for sure. Bye. <laughs> I'm never having you back on this podcast again after what you did to the family plot. You've defiled family plot. You've pissed on the gravestone, and I won't have it. Hitchcock did that on his way. I'm going to make family plot number one just to spite you. Now, listen, you're not spiting me. You're spiting everybody that's listening. All to this right. Podcast. Watch family plot. It's actually on YouTube right now, illegitimatemeans.com. Um, it's worth a watch. But uh, we're out of here. Uh, for Mark's gone. Thank you, for Mark, for watching four Hitchcock films, and uh, one of them being silent, which is just bravery at its fullest. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. This week's episode of Hitchcock Chronologically is brought to you by Chomp Chips. The crunchiest chip known to man. Our secret ingredient is the one of the best you've ever had. Whether you know it or not, you already know the taste of the secret ingredient in Chomp Chips. Chomp Chips. Chomp Chips. They're the best. They're made from human teeth. Chomp chips, chomp chips, they're the best, they're made from human teeth. Chomp chips, now available at your local grocer. Welcome back to Hitchcock Chronologically, and I have watched and reviewed all 52 of Hitchcock's films. Of course, there's the Mountain Eagle, which is lost to time, and if it ever comes out, I'll do a bonus episode covering it, but it's lost the time. So now it's just me, you, and the movies, and it's time for me to rank 52 films. I don't know if any of you have actually ever tried to rank something. That alone, even like a top 10, can be tough. But to do 52 of something and trying to quantify and and be able to say exactly why you rank it, where you rank it. That's a little tough to do. So I'm going to tell you what ranked where, and we're going to count from 52 to 1, and uh, we'll just kind of briefly talk about why I have it where it is and move on. Because this is the end of the road. Uh, Once I'm done with this 52 countdown, I'm done with the podcast. I've got to obviously edit and upload it, but this is the end. And if you've ever clicked play, thank you. I mean it. I see 
it doesn't do gangbusters. It's a little indie podcast. But there are people that listen. Namek, Elliot, Mark, Tessa. Thank you. Now, top 52. And if I've forgotten anyone, I apologize. But I appreciate you. Number 52. Okay, we're at the bottom of the barrel. Just we, the ring. Okay, the ring is a silent film. And there's going to be a lot of silent ones down here at the bottom. And I said that there are going to be some talkies below some silent films. Don't worry, that still remains true. But the ring is silent. It's boring. And it's racist, worst of all. That's why it's at 52. 51, Champagne, another silent movie, but it's so silent, it doesn't even have a soundtrack, at least the version I watched. And if you've watched any silent movie, pretty much all of them have some sort of score that drives it along to give you something to listen to so you're just not staring at a silent screen. Champagne, they said, forget all of that. Number 50, Easy Virtue, watched it with Mark. A brave, brave man sat through Easy Virtue and reviewed it with me. It's awful. There's nothing redeeming about it. I, I can't I can't think of one thing that I would say, oh, well, maybe you should watch it for this. No, you shouldn't. Even if you're making a podcast where you review every Hitchcock movie, skip it. Number 49, not a surprise, Juno and the Paycock, all right? So there are eight silent films. We've done three. So that means there are, wait, what's math, huh? That means there's five more silent films that are better than Juno and the Paycock. Juno and the Paycock is truly boring and it makes no sense and the characters stink. And even though it's not a silent movie, the sound is so bad, and granted it's an old movie, that you still need subtitles. Number 48, Downhill. I mean, what is there to say? Now this one, I can actually point at a couple things that are worth watching for it's not the worst silent movie but just by i would never watch it again i just i can't number 47 young and innocent it's got blackface that's why it's down this low i mean it's if it didn't have that it'd be just a middle of the road snorer fest but when i have to it's got blackface in it that's why it's down here Number 46, this is amazing that a movie this late in his catalog is this low. And if you've listened, you already know what it is. It's Topaz. Topaz is the driest movie I think I've ever seen where there is nothing good. Not one thing. It is dry. It is boring. It's horrible. It's one of the worst films. Number 45, The Pleasure Garden. Now, this one might be unfair to drive it this low because it is one of the better silent films. It is his first film, but it's also not good um, at all, and it does deserve to be this low. Number 44, Secret Agent. Why is it this low? I can't remember anything about it other than uh, Peter Laurie in Brownface. But other, that's all I can remember. He, he was a perv. Uh, Rich and Strange. Uh, Fred is an idiot. Or is it Frank? Fred. Fred is an idiot. That's all I got to say. 
It's a, a total waste of time. Uh, where are you? The Paradigm case. Fred is an idiot, but Gregory Peck's character in that, close second. He's the guy that falls in love with a woman that doesn't love him, and he swears. Anyway, it's bad. You can go and listen to the episode if you want to know more. Uh, 41, The Farmer's Wife. If you listen to the episode, I liked the film. That being said, I would never, ever watch again because it's a two-hour-long silent film. And it is... I don't know that it's good because I was out of my brain hole at that point. This was I was watched over half of the silent films, and this just didn't suck as bad as everything else. Murder, number 40. Woo! Okay, murder is the one where the guy is on the jury and he doesn't acquit someone. He says they're guilty and then he tries to prove they're innocent. What's wrong with this guy? And he's an actor who then becomes a detective. Bad movie. But the thing where he tries to pretend he's Miss Mitchell, go back and listen to the episode. It's worth it. Uh, The Skin Game, another movie I said was good at the time. No, I don't know. It's kind of boring. It's really dull. I think the story's okay. It has some good messages there that are actually, and there's a couple of good lines. Basically, if you watch my episode or listen to my episode, you get what you need. You don't, you don't need to go any further than that. Uh, 38, The Lodger, one of the better silent ones. Actually, the uh, if you watch it, this is his third film, the second one being The Mountain Eagle, which, again, lost the time. This is the one that's the first Hitchcockian film. And I think it's kind of interesting and maybe even worth a watch, but probably not. 37, Suspicion. How bad does a movie have to be where it stars Cary Grant and it's still this low? 37, Suspicion. The ending is terrible and it ruins the movie. And uh, Elliot had once told me uh, on a previous, I don't know if it was recorded or not, but there were multiple endings filmed for it. And the other one, I think, would have been way better. Not a great movie. Uh, 36, Trouble with Harry. The episode's real short. I remember liking this movie when I saw it the first time, but watching it again, it is not good. It is a running gag that lasts the whole length of the movie of them just burying and unburying a person. It's supposed to be this dark comedy, and I think Hitchcock does comedy well usually. Not here. Skip it. Not worth your time. Uh, 35, Jamaica Inn. Jimmy Fallon uh, fights pirates. Uh, It's okay. Uh, Humphrey, uh, the character that this guy Humphrey plays, is worth watching. Um, It's not a bad movie by any stretch. Uh, We're starting to get into sort of the middling territory. So the way I made this list is I just ranked a movie one, two, three, four, five in stars. And so the first bit of this, you know, your bottom ones are your your one stars and then two, and, you know, you go up. And then I took those lists and then ranked those just to kind of break it down a little easier for myself, and it helped. Uh, but we're, like, kind of really in that. We're starting to get into that, uh, that three-star territory where most of the movies live, where it's just kind of mediocrity. Uh, where are we? Okay. Uh, okay. 33. Oh no. I jumped ahead. Sorry. We did 35 Jamaican in 34 sabotage. Not bad. Uh, not good. Um, a kid gets blown up. It's ridiculous. Uh, it also has, 
another movie coming up. It has a similar theme in it that just there's a couple films that really kind of mirror other Hitchcock films. And this is one of them uh, that mirrors uh, blackmail, which will come later. We'll talk about that then. Uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, not Brad Pitt. This is a comedy and it is not funny. Again, I think his funniest stuff, Hitchcock, comes in his what are not comedy movies. Uh, totally pass on this one. Not great. Uh, Saboteur, fine. Firmly in the three-star category. This is fine. You, There's better ways to spend your time, but there's also worse ways to spend your time. Uh, Saboteur, fine. 31, The Manix Man, uh, the top-ranked uh, silent film. It, as a film, it's decent. It's a silent film, but it has... Malcolm Keene, a.k.a. the guy who played douche cop from from Lodger. Uh, and he's pretty good. And he uh, I think the story's good. The ending is really good. And uh, I think it's worth watching. If you're going to watch any of his silent films, make it the Man X Man. Uh, number 30. This is uh, where we're going to get surprising a little bit. The Man Who Knew Too Much. Which one? 1956. The one with Jimmy Stewart. He made Hitchcock made this movie. To replace the original. And in hindsight, I like the original more and we'll get into why when we get there. But this one is just kind of forgettable. It's humdrum in the middle of a lot of better films, whereas the man who knew too much kind of stood out the original in surrounded by worse films, I guess is the best way to put it. And I don't feel that it's better in any way. Plus, we'll get to it. I don't want to spoil too much about why I like the other one better. 29. Woo, here we go. Vertigo. I get it. People love Vertigo. Elliot says the AFI had it ranked number one. Not by a long shot. Not even close. It's, uh, you know, we're not even in the top uh, half of Hitchcock films yet. And, And here's Vertigo. A movie with two scenes in it and the rest is just boredom. 101. Sorry. Uh, 28, Torn Curtain. This is a, a movie that's half good. The first half of the movie is real good. Second half, kind of a letdown for a movie that's pretty well acted and it's worth watching Paul Newman in. Um, I hope I'm not skipping any. I don't think I am. What I say? Torn Curtain. Uh, 27, Four Correspondent. The movie's largely kind of forgettable, uh, but the ending is really, really strong. Uh, it's an ending that leads into the world war, and I, I, I that just kind of ho- strikes a chord with me. Um, but largely, it's it's fine. But the ending kind of drives it up a little bit. Uh, Twenty six, Shadow of a Doubt. This is Hitchcock says is his own favorite movie. It's not bad. Uh, there are memorable scenes. Check out the review. There's some good clips in that one. Uh, some good performances. I just felt that the overall story at the end of the day was a bit unbelievable for what it was and it could have felt more organic to make it a little better but eh, not the worst um the birds 25 okay i listened back to the review and i think i was more down in the movie than i actually am i kind of have a little nostalgia for it now and there's things i like about it i think it's still it's worth a watch. It's not great. It doesn't deserve to be in the upper echelon of Hitchcock, 
but it's worth a watch. It's not bad. 24, 39 steps. Uh, this is a classic. A lot of people really rank this as one of his top films. Again, it's not bad. It's kind of in this vein of movies where the charismatic male character runs around with a reluctant woman. And it there's several movies like that. And it's fine. Uh, not bad. It was worth watching. But, you know, you can find better Hitchcock movies. Um, like To Catch a Thief. Uh, we're back with Cary Grant. You know and I know. We both love Cary Grant. Uh, this is kind of a decent Cary Grant movie. Uh, Grace Kelly's in it, and she's completely misused. Um, but if it weren't for the ending, I think this movie would have been a lot better. I just didn't gel with the ending that much. Um, but it's not bad. It, it's it's fine. It's totally fine. 22. Now, I'm going to be handing out hidden gems, and I've got five of them. This one is kind of a hidden gem. Uh, 22 would be Waltzes from Vienna, a movie about younger and older uh, Strauss, a movie that has no right being any good, is actually pretty good. It's worth watching. I didn't regret it. I liked it when it was done, and I was surprised that I did because I thought it was just going to be a snooze fest. But it's not. It's not getting one of those hidden gems. Uh, those are reserved for movies I actually want you to go and watch. 21, Blackmail, the first talkie. And boy, is it actually pretty good. Um, the story's really simple. The pacing's a little funky. Um, the start is... Like, the first bit of it's still silent, and then they start talking, and then the rest of the movie feels more natural as a talkie. Um, but then there's a murder and after that happens and then the movie actually starts to get really interesting. Uh, a blackmail is definitely worth your time uh, as far as watching the first ever talkie. Uh, number 20, Pat Hitchcock stage fright. Uh, pretty good. Not great. I found the plot to be, there's a twist later on and I, the twist is actually pretty good, but it could have been done better. Like I like the twist itself. I don't like how it was executed, but Pat Hitchcock is a legend and she's great in this, uh, as is everything she touches. Uh, but there are still problems with it. Yeah, whatever. 19, the wrong man based on a true story. This movie's okay. It's fine. There's, it's just fine. You know, I can't like I can't I can't drum up any sort of emotion about it. There are some really good scenes, I guess, around when he does go to jail. Go listen to the episode. It's fine. It's fine. We're still in the fine phase. But then we get to 18 strangers on a train, uh, a classic. Pat Hitchcock is back in her best role. Um, and there are a lot of great scenes. But then there's a lot of just. I don't know, like in the second half of the movie. It kind of falls a little and then it ends really strong. So largely it's a good movie, but there's a full tennis match in it and nobody wants to watch. I'm not saying nobody. If I want to watch tennis, I'll watch tennis. I don't want it in the middle of my I don't want it in the middle of my movie is what I'm trying to say in English. Uh, Strangers on the train. OK, number 17, the man who knew too much from 34. Peter Laurie is awesome in the movie. And it's why I prefer this version over the remake with uh, Jimmy Stewart, because there's no villain. And I think the hero in this movie is great. I think it's funny, probably unintentionally. So lots of memorable scenes. 
and Peter Lorre is a fantastic villain. Uh, I, I would recommend watching it. Not a hidden gem yet. We're getting there. Number 16, Rope. Uh, probably the best Jimmy Stewart movie. Um, I, let me, is there any Jimmy Stewart's above this one? Yeah, there's one. Rope's pretty close, though. I don't know. Maybe I'd, I don't know. Anyway, it's really good. It, I can't say it's the best Jimmy Stewart movie, but I think it's the best use of Jimmy Stewart, maybe. It's a really entertaining movie, and I recommend you go watch it. Um, but number 15, Rebecca. Maybe the... That's a really good movie. Now, it's based on a book by the author who also wrote The Birds. I think there are places where it could be you could trim the fat, make it a little shorter. Joan Fontaine's really great, and I think it's a pretty good movie. Um, his first American film, uh, Rebecca. Number 14, Lifeboat. Uh, a movie that takes place completely on a boat. That idea alone is pretty unique. It's well-made. It's entertaining. Um, check it out. It's worth your time, I think. Uh, 13. Now, Marnie is problematic to the moon. It's also extreme. Like, Tippi Edrin is really, really, really good in this. And it is, I think, a good movie at the end of the day. But man, is it problematic. The the uh, a kid he blackmails her into marrying him. I mean, come on. It's still I it's still good. Okay. Our first hidden gem. At number twelve, a very early film, number seventeen. It's really good. Um it's dark. It has this like horror aesthetic in this house. There's this great model work, a fantastic finale. Number 17 is really good. And I think you can watch it for free. If you search it in Google, it'll show up on like a um, like a bootleg YouTube. Um, but it, it does get our first hidden gem. It is really good. And I really like it. Number 11, Rear Window. I had a hard time putting this movie up that high. And I think you could tell when I said Rope is probably the best Jimmy Stewart. There's just so, like, the reason it's here is because of the filmmaking. It's because of the model work. It's because of the way this movie is told and the story is told. And Grace Kelly's really good. This is probably her best performance in a Hitchcock film. Um, I think... Uh, it's you have to watch it. It's kind of the thing at the end of the day is that it, you for what it is. You have to watch it. Rear window. You've probably already seen it if, if you don't know, but not a hidden gem because you've probably heard of it. But our next movie is a hidden gem at number nine. It's uh, excuse me at number 10. It's I confess one of the best endings in any Hitchcock film ever. The movie does kind of drag, but the finale is so good to me. I, it makes the movie. And when you can go out on top, you win. Uh, so that was a hidden gem. That's our second hidden gem. Our third hidden gem is coming in at number nine under Capricorn. I get if you watch this movie, maybe you won't like it. It's set in colonial Australia. But I'll be danged if I didn't like all the characters. Well, the three main characters in this movie. One of Ingrid Bergman's best performances. 
I believe John Forsyth is in this. No, that's later. Never mind. Scratch that John Forsyth thing. Really good. And it doesn't feel like a Hitchcock film uh, at all. I really like it. It feels closer to sort of a gone with the wind thing, but less racist. Um, Anyway. Uh, Number eight, uh, our fourth hidden gem, Spellbound. Gregory Peck, Ingrid Bergman, wonderful, excellent ending. There's this uh, Salvador Dali dream sequence you've got to see. Go watch, uh, go watch Spellbound. Excellent. Uh, number seven, Lady Vanishes. Uh, I think this is the earliest film to be in the top ten to be this high. Um, the first thirty minutes, kind of a snooze fest. Once they get on the train, this movie is hilarious. It's fun. I really like it. Lady Vanishes. Number six, our final hidden gem. And maybe this, I don't know that, yeah, despite what Mark says, family plot is great and no one ever talks about it. Bruce Dern is awesome and the villain is so good good go watch family plot it's really good decide for yourself you've heard mark and i talk about it this i was so pleased with this movie i was so glad that this was the final film it just sent the podcast off in such a sweet way to me like it's i i loved it family plot i already gushed on it number five frenzy this movie's not for everyone it's, I think, Hitch's darkest film. And it's his only one that's rated R. And it can be problematic. But it's very good. It's extremely entertaining. All the performances are excellent. Um, but warning, there is a sexual assault scene. So just know that going in. And if that's something you don't want to see, definitely skip it. Because... It's not as graphic as some of the ones you've seen recently in cinemas, uh, but it is there. So tread carefully. Still really good movie. Uh, number four, Notorious. Ingrid Bergman's best film. Cary Grant's. If it weren't for one other movie, this would be his best one. But boy, Cary Grant, Ingrid Bergman. Excellent. I love this ending. This is This is just... Uh, it's so good it's so go watch notorious it always stuck with me after i watched it it's so good that hitchcock references it in rope the characters in rope one of them has seen notorious it's great number three okay when i set out to do this list i wanted to also think about people who don't have nostalgia so our number one and number two movies are movies i think anybody can watch and thoroughly enjoy all the way through that's why at number three is psycho my personal favorite hitchcock film that has not changed but on that episode i say i skipped the first 30 minutes a lot of times and just want to see Marion get to the hotel, the motel. 
And because of that, I have to admit it's not perfect. But boy, is it a masterpiece. So what's left? There's two movies left. I don't know if you guys can keep track and you haven't seen all the movies. But I had go guess on these both of these last two movies. And both of them really, really enjoyed it. And neither of them are what you would call Hitchcock heads. Number two is Dial In For Murder. What an excellent movie. Like, uh, you can turn this on and enjoy it. The performance by the protagonist is so good. The story is timeless. I, it's really, really, really good. And the fact that Mark liked it, Mark doesn't like anything, okay? The fact that Mark liked it tells you. It's great. And number one, for those at home, the best Hitchcock movie in as unbiased of an opinion as I can possibly have is Cary Grant in North by Northwest. An absolute masterpiece of a film. It's exciting. It's funny. Cary Grant is on another level. I, I, it's real good. And that's it. North by Northwest is the best Hitchcock movie. Uh, I don't know what else to say. 52 movies, all reviewed in one year. And now I don't know what to do with my free time. I think I'll be back with some other project at some point, but I'm ready for a rest. I'm glad I've watched every film. And the lesson I learned is that uh, Hitchcock is not a genius, um, but he is a good filmmaker. And he's made some good ones. He's made some very, very good ones, including my favorite film ever, Psycho. He's also a jerk. Um, he has racist things in several of his movies. He has misogynistic things in pretty much all of them. And you can say it's part of the time. Whatever argument you want to make, they're there still. And uh, some of them are truly awful. He's got bad movies. He's got mediocre movies. And he has a handful of absolute masterpieces. So if I were to say go out and watch the movies, obviously you can watch the top five. And then check out those hidden gems. I really like number 17. Check out number 17. It's fun. I want to thank you if you've listened at all, at any point. Thank you. Uh, I feel like I should have more to say, but I don't. Oh, hello. What, what's that? Oh. So what you're telling me is it ain't over yet, boys. We got one last thing to do. Hip hop. Chronologically. Let's check it. From the pleasure garden to the family plot The reviews came at you fresh and hot And now I'm back at the end of the game Gonna watch it I seen every single movie on the list Gotta have to give it up to number 17 It was so good It was like a dream Now I'm back at the end when I'm watching family plot Despite what Mark says That movie is hot Yeah Yo, notorious, there's no ignoring this 
Rebecca, gotta check it out because it is not that bad. It's not that bad. It's not like Mr. and Mrs. Smith that made me sad. Ah, that's a kindergarten rhyme, baby. Came up with that off the dome. <laughs> Stage fright, give it up for Patty Hitchcock. But don't miss it because she's on that train. Two strangers meet and it's all a game to one until some of them are end up undone. 24-hour tennis match in a movie. Check it out. Check it out. I confess that this podcast was the best. M for murder, you know what, cause I done murdered many tracks and I see what's up when I look out my rear window, I catch a thief, that's the trouble with Harry, (laughs) yeah, yeah, The Lodger, that's also a film, I look from north to northwest to find the best and only one man, Cary Grant stood above the rest. The man who knew way too much. He knew so much that had to make two movies. I'm giving up a... Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You gotta check out Peter Lorre. He made the movie back in 30-something. Way better than the one in the 50s. It's almost like Hitchcock or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I've run out of movies to talk about. If you've hung out with me for the past 12 months, you know that I appreciate it. Appreciate you and the things you do. The fact you showed up every week and took a chance on little old me watching these old movies start to finish. Now I'm finished. So check it. I'll see you on the flip side. From now, it's bye-bye. Till then, you gotta know I'm always in the laboratory cooking up the next podcast but you got a chance to hear me on some budget arcade or don't forget the draft house mm, it goes down so smooth baby check it Hitchcock chronologically we did it yeah you and me we did it if you didn't listen I wouldn't make them but you did and I appreciate it Until next time, boys. Hitchcock, chronologically.